Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 183. Happy to be with you. Happy to be live here on Facebook. Proud member of the Education Podcast Network, as well as Voice Ed Radio. And uh, wherever you are listening, uh, happy uh, to have you on. Happy to have you part of the program. And certainly happy to happy to be doing education, leadership, and beyond. Show 183, how about that, right? This has been a great run, it's been a lot of fun. And I know today is gonna to be a lot of fun. Uh, I love to interview people I've had a chance to meet, I've had a chance to interact with, and certainly have had a chance to experience their work, uh, whether I saw them speaking, whether I've read their book, or, or even seen their presentation. So we are gonna meet David Guerin here in a moment. Uh, from Missouri, Boulevard High School. Uh, and David is an active principal. David is a national principal. Uh, and here's his book, Future Driven. Will your, will your students thrive in an unpredictable world? And how timely is this book, right? How timely is this with everything that's going on? So we are going to meet David in a moment. And he is uh, someone I admire. He's someone uh, who I just have a lot of respect for. And I'm pumped to have him on the show. Been hard to get some of these people, and David, uh, we got him, so I'm happy uh, he'll be joining us. So, um, a couple of notes before we start. Um, uh, usually have sponsors on here, but no sponsor today. But what I would like to share is I would be happy to connect with your organization, I'd be happy to connect with your school, uh, your leadership group, whatever it is. Uh, I've been doing virtual workshops, in person workshops. Uh, so a short commercial there. If you are looking for a speaker, if you are looking for a leadership presentation, uh, I would hope that you will reach out and we can connect uh, uh, for that. Number two is today's opening segment, and it is about my dad. I'm going to ask David about his dad and his relationship uh, with him and what he meant to David. Uh, my dad meant the world to me, and the anniversary of his passing is coming up this Sunday. Uh, my dad passed away after the New York City Marathon uh, 11 years ago now, and the New York City Marathon is this Sunday. Uh, I was fortunate enough uh, that we had a videographer with us on that day, and I have a video of my dad. So for everyone watching, for everyone listening, um, it would be an honor if you went to YouTube and you typed in Mr. Joe Marathon. It's on YouTube, and you type in Mr. Joe Marathon. It's a nine and a half minute clip it's a nine and a half minute video montage of my dad and our day together and uh it means the world to me uh, that i have that and i'm grateful for my dad's leadership my dad's mentorship and everything he meant to me as a man as a leader and um you know he left me one last lesson fathers teach sons all these lessons their whole lives he left me one last lesson, including the day he passed away, and that was don't give up. Finish what you started. Uh, my dad knew he didn't feel well on that day of the marathon, and uh, he continued, and he pushed on. Uh, so uh, just a word about that, that, you know, uh, that video is there, and I wanted to celebrate that anniversary, and it would be an honor uh, if you watched that. Enough about me. Let's get to today's guest uh, here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. And uh, I would like to welcome in David Guerin from Missouri Boulevard, Missouri. David, welcome to the program. Hey, Andrew. It's great to be here. Good to nice. see you. Good to see you and good to see this. Do you call it a beard? Do you call it a goatee? What? 
What what do you call that, David? I love you know, it. I'm surviving and I'm thriving. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do here in the future driven world, David. And maybe it's maybe it's goatees. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's my I tell I tell some people it's kind of my COVID disguise because I don't want all the problems to be able to find me. Well, everyone, David, welcome to the program. This is David Guerin, uh, Bolivar High School principal in Missouri, uh, uh, 14 years there. David, it's an honor to have you on. Um, and David, you heard my, my opening segment uh, uh, talking about my dad. And uh, I want to ask you about your dad. He, he's one of your mentors. Uh, you mentioned him in the book. You talked about him when you spoke. And uh, let, let's start there. Let me ask, what, what did your dad mean to you? Uh, as a leader, as a father yourself, and, and that relationship. Yeah, yeah. First off, it's kind of uh, fitting uh, today to talk about that because today would have been my dad's 86th birthday. Wow. He passed wow. in 2008. So, wow. Um, you know, miss him greatly. And certainly, uh, you know, uh, huge influence in my life. And, um, you know, I think the thing that uh, I probably learned the most from him was he was really amazing at caring for people. Uh, just the uh, uh, his strength was really in listening and um, interacting with people. And really, those things aren't necessarily some of his strengths don't come as naturally to me. Uh, but because uh, um, sometimes I'm more the thinker and the the idea kind of person where he was such a relator just by his nature, like he just mm. had a charismatic personality. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I knew that that was important. And so like I've had to work, I've worked at that and I think I've, uh, you know, developed a lot of those skills, but he, he really just inspired me in a lot of ways. And I think the thing, one thing that, you know, when your parents care about you and you know that, and they care about education, if they care about you and they care about education and you're learning, that's such an advantage in life. Um, overall. And, and it breaks my heart when I see kids who don't have that kind of support. They don't have a parent who cares about them and cares about uh, learning. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, I felt like I always knew that he believed in me no matter what. And that uh, was so proud of me and whatever I was doing. And when you've got that kind of support, it gives you the confidence to be able to step out and take risks and do things that, you know, the hard things, things that you don't, uh, uh, didn't know you could do, I guess. Absolutely. And, and thank you for sharing that. And uh, uh, we're blessed, right? We're blessed to have those mentors and fathers in our lives. David, you're, you're in your 14th year at, at Bolivar there. And, and uh, you know, how are you doing? How are you getting through this? How are you making out uh, during this year? Dude, the struggle is real, man. I, I tell you, like it's it's been, uh, you know, I think coming out of last year, I had this feeling that, oh, it's all going to be just moving back to better, you know, at this point. And maybe it is. I, I don't know. But it, it just felt hard. And you see that from other educators, whether you're looking at, you know, people on talking to colleagues in other schools locally or even in the Twitter world or social media world. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been a really uh, challenging time. Um, and. Uh, a lot of people are carrying a lot of heavy weight and heavy loads. And so we're just trying to be really mindful of that and um, meet each other's needs as best we can. And, um, you know, just for me, I think uh, 
keeping myself up. You know, that's normally, I feel like I'm normally such an energized person and someone who's like an eternal optimist. And to keep my energy going so I can pour into others has been a real challenge this year, more than uh, more than it has been in, in, you know, really, I think at any stage of my career. So, uh, but I'm trying to be really intentional about that too. How can I, you know, get to that place? Because I've got to be able to, um, you know, take care of teachers and students and other people. Uh, and I got to be in a good place to be able to do that. And uh, let's go off script a little bit, I, you know, that's great. You you're you you're struggling to to or it's a challenge to find the energy to pour into others. I know your fitness, uh, David. You're someone who cares greatly about your fitness, and, and you're in great shape. So how do you do that? How do you take care of yourself so you can take care of others? Yeah, I mean that's I I um, what is it? The Rock says like it's the it's his iron therapy or whatever. So. Uh, you know, I've done different things, whether it's I've run a couple marathons uh, or uh, now I'm doing more just like strength training or CrossFit kinds of stuff and things like that. But I always feel better after I get a good workout in. It seems like it's just a good way to like uh, I just feel more um, uh, energized. Energized, yeah. And, and it also, I think, just kind of clears my mind too. you know, when you get really fatigued and that. I think that's just a really good way to, rather than turning to some other things, maybe to try to cope that aren't helpful. Uh, I think that that's been good for me. And, and uh, so you got to have some margin, you know, in your life to take time to do those things because it's really easy to just not work out or whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be, I mean, even if it's going for a walk or, whatever you like to do, you've got to find some margin to do those things, I think, to keep that energy level uh, going. And so that I've kept pretty well uh, through this. Uh, that part I've just made time for and, and tried to help others set boundaries too. Like uh, some of our um, school health, just had a conversation with that, our school nurse and just how overwhelmed she's felt on some stuff and, and giving her permission to just set it down at the end of the day and just, hey, pick it up tomorrow go home, enjoy your family. You, we can only do what's feasible. It doesn't all have to get taken care of today, you know? So I think we've just got to um, recognize that and create some of that margin uh, for our own well-being. You can't like pour out an empty cup. We've got to get filled up. Exactly. I like that term margin, right? That You're putting the line there, you're holding it. Uh, and you're right. You got to be intentional about these things. So uh, kudos, David, to you. Um, David, you're 14 years in your school. Um, I just made a change here in my career. I, I was 16 years at my high school and I decided I needed a change and a different challenge. So I, I went to the middle school. How do you keep it fresh and different and new uh, when you've been in a place for so long like that? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of positives to that sustained leadership. I mean, you know that from kind of the deep relationships that you develop and uh, you really know your team and they they know and understand what uh, uh, you're about. And I think you can really like develop culture. It takes time to develop yes. culture. Um, I consider it more like a, uh, you know, doing a, a brisket or a barbecue, you know, like you're going to slow smoke it over instead of like just cook sizzling a steak. You know, it takes that type of time, I think, to really do that. So that part's good. Uh, but then the hard part, I think, sometimes is just like you said, you know, you've 
um, sometimes you feel like it's the same problem over and, and uh, how do I like make this new and, and fresh and interesting and keep moving forward? Of course, with what's happened over the past, uh, you know, we've been so like just trying to handle the crisis that we've been in uh, that uh, that's that's made it hard too. I think just to not have the, you know, what, what, how are we improving? What's the vision moving forward? Because we're just trying to kind of get through yeah. on some stuff. But um, overall, I would say, uh, I, I, I think we need more sustained leadership in education in general. Um, I think a lot of times school leaders are getting, you know, tossed around too much and they're not getting the time to be able to really invest in the community that they're in and, um, or they're moving up the ladder pretty quickly, and so they're in and out of their positions. But uh, I just think that it's been a blessing to be able to see the perspective of 14 years here at Bolivar. And I've been mispronouncing it, huh? It's Bolivar. <laughs> hey, we're Midwest here, so, you know, I don't know if I sound like, you know, I'm a hick from the sticks. <laughs> well, I apologize, and, and I like yeah, that. good. Uh, sustained leadership. It says a lot about your character, your person, and you live in that community, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah we've lived here and I've got roots here even because I was in college here. Um, SBU is a small uh, university here that uh, where I did my undergraduate work. So um, that's where I met my wife, actually. So then we left and went to her hometown mm. uh, out of after we graduated. And I taught and coached there for um nine years before then taking my first admin job. And then uh, we ended up circling all the way back around here uh, into this community. All four kids in May will have graduated here of our children. So Emma's the youngest. She's uh, she's going to graduate in May. And then uh, and we'll have two graduations because Maddie's graduating from university also with a uh, elementary ed degree. Wow. Continuing. She's going to get married. So, you know, there's just a lot going on. Wow. Wow. Well, we're going to ask you about your busy family in a moment. Uh, but I want to ask you about your, your book here. Uh, David, congratulations. It's fantastic. Uh, if you haven't got it yet, check it out. Um, David, so well written. So many great points. Uh, tell me, what was the inspiration for you to uh, to write this and, and, and the, you know, what what was behind it? Well, I think it's a little bit of just being um, not satisfied with the status quo, you know, of uh, seeing things that maybe we're trying so hard to do this thing in education, but maybe, and, and sometimes it feels like we're not winning the game, maybe we need to change the game a little bit, uh, and how can we do that? So that, that's part of it. And then the other part is, are, the game that we are playing, is it really preparing kids for their future? Or is it really preparing them to be good at school? Uh, you know, is really the the uh, the point I think, and how important it is for kids to be, uh, you know, adaptable learners, to be continuous learners. I mean, that's the ultimate test of education in my in my point of view. It's not did you master these standards? That's important. Don't get me wrong, but that's not the ultimate test. The ultimate test is our kids continue. Do we do they leave us as continuous learners? They're going to be have skills, they've learned how to learn, and do they have skills to be, uh, you know, effective learners in the rest of their life? Uh, and if they do that, then no matter what problem they face, no matter what things come into the world, they're going to approach it from the mindset of a learner. Uh, and how can I work this problem and overcome this problem? Uh, you're not just going to go look it up in the book, right? That's not going to happen. You're going to have to use like 
some some more complex kinds of skills to do that. And a lot of them are non-cognitive skills. It's not just those academic things, but it's also your perseverance, your grit, your uh, empathy, your uh, your work ethic. Those are the things, too, that we want to try to instill. Leadership ability so important. Uh, so all that was just a passion of mine. And so it just kind of all came together in the book, which is a, there's a lot of different uh you know, uh, topics in there, all under that realm of how can we prepare kids for a world that's just rapidly changing? Yeah, uh, complexities and and just how uh, how fast things. And and I didn't know there was going to obviously know there was going to be a pandemic, uh, but it really the 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 uh, the way that the world is not we cannot predict has been made evident to us. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So true, and and the timing was was great. And uh, you saw my friend Peggy Fitzgerald, who's watching, says she wants to get it. Peggy, I, I highly recommend that uh, also. Um, and, and yeah, David, uh, so well written. And one of the things I liked about it are the short segments. They're short little tidbits. I mean, you could do this and grab, right? Bam! Digital matters, uh, and you could grab some stuff here. Tell me about the design of the book, and was that intentional that you made short little segments for, for people to read? Yeah, you know, um, I'm a big Seth Godin fan, and if you've read uh, any of his books, his style is similar to that uh, with, uh, um, oh, I'm forgetting some of the titles that, uh, that he's written, uh, but, uh, and that's because he took blog posts that he had written, and then he... Um, um, you know, use that to, for part of, for his book as well, which I've done. I, I, there's content that's not on the blog as well, uh, but a lot of the content in the book is on my blog. Uh, so um, that uh, that kind of style was really where I, I went with that. And you're correct; you could pick it up and you could just you could read different pieces of that. Uh, and I think uh, it'd be food for thought, at least. You know, food for thought, things to think about, maybe help. Uh, People as their, especially um, uh, leadership, you know, any, really any educator. It's really a book for, I think, any educator could could read. Um, and I, honestly, too, parents, school board members, um, I think it would open their eyes to like, hey, maybe school doesn't have to be the way it was, the way we experienced it uh, when we went through school um, also. Yeah. Well, you hit the market, the, the title, and uh, you mentioned the word adapt before. Uh, and again, if you're watching live, certainly jump in with a question or comment. Um, but you mentioned the word adapt, and on page 109 here, you write about the failure to adapt, uh, and you just talk about some examples of where schools and we as leaders and educators have missed the mark there. Tell me about that, that skill of adapting, especially now. Yeah, I, you know, um, schools that had adapted the most prior to COVID were probably the best prepared to adapt when COVID hit. That's mm -hmm. an, one example, uh, because when I look around, the schools that were being more adaptable with how they use technology as a methodology, um, as, as a tool, it's not the end-all, be-all. Uh, but for instance, we, we had done a lot of work around that. And so when we had to do virtual learning and uh, remote learning and those kinds of things, we were better equipped and our teachers, I think, were better able to adapt than some of the other schools that uh, um, I heard about or heard stories about who maybe were, it was a much sharper learning curve for them. Uh, so that's an example in the education uh, realm. 
Uh, and I think it's true for students too. I think a lot of the classroom experience for students has been compliance driven, like do what you're told when you're told, you know, follow the directions, um, stand in a straight line, which all those things are good. Compliance is good. But if it ends there, then we're missing a whole lot. Of, we're not preparing kids for what they're going to face in the world because this isn't a factory driven world anymore. I mean, kids don't, they're going to need more than that to be able to be successful. They're going to have to solve problems and adapt to different situations and take initiative. Uh, and so uh, that that's really what I was trying to get at with that. Um, and the idea that it really is that ability to be an adaptable learner that um, is a game changer. Yeah. And going hand in hand with that, I love this on page 97, excellence in action. And you write about true excellence is personal. It's your best, not someone else's idea of your best. We're so we're so uh, you know grade driven, and and you know whereas maybe somebody's excellent is different than another's. Um, as excellent isn't working hard to do what you're told. Excellence is working hard at something that's important to you, right? I love this concept of of what excellence means in a future driven world. Can you can you share a little bit about that, David? Yeah, we talk a lot about excellence um, with our teachers and with our students and try to define that because I think that the typical, for one thing, we have five um, keys in our school that we, that everything revolves around, but the second one is aim for excellence. And so we have to unpack then what is excellence, what does that mean uh, for students? Because I think they think it means, well, you got to make all A's, you know, you got to be an A student if you're excellent. Um, or for teachers, it might mean my students have to score high on the all, you know, they've all got to be proficient or advanced on the standardized test. Uh, and so we try to like reframe that a little bit and say, no, that's not, that's not excellence. Um, excellence um, is not being satisfied with the status quo. Excellence is um, uh, being uh, continuously pursuing growth, learning, and change. And it's not the opposite of failure. Uh, you know, our failure is not the opposite of um, excellence because excellent people, yeah, they, they experience failure. In fact, if you're pursuing excellence, you're going to fail yes. and you're going to get knocked down. But the key is, do you get back up? Do you adapt? Do you adjust the sales? Do you continue to move forward uh, from there? or not. The opposite of excellence um, is not failure. The opposite of excellence is actually apathy mm. um, or being content, whether intentionally or unintentionally with how things are. And so we want to crush apathy in our school. That's the goal. Now, very difficult, you know, especially uh, it seems like motivation has been even harder in recent days on some things. Uh, but uh, that's the goal is we want we want to try to help kids to be able to find their excellence. What are your goals? What do you want to do to thrive uh, and uh, and uh, have dreams uh, and then invest in that and lift kids up and get them on a path that's uh, headed in that direction? Well said, well said, and, and the struggle is real. Um, David, congratulations on it. Um, a lot of people ask me about publishing and uh, you know which way I went and, and you self-published this, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that decision. And did you dance with some publishers? And why'd you go that route? And uh, there's a lot of educators out there that want to write a book. 
this is an excellent example of a extremely well-written self-published book. But tell me that decision, uh, David. Yeah, so I did kind of consider the, um, um, you know, trying to work with a publisher and going that route. And there are some really great options uh, for educators now, really great options for anybody uh, to be able to work with, you know, uh, some of these publishers that, and even some of the ones that aren't the traditional like big house publishing companies and stuff like that, but there's a lot of niche publishing and education. You see them uh, out there and things like that, and they're having a lot of success and doing great things and providing a platform really uh, for to get great ideas out there, which is awesome. Uh, for me, I, I did kind of look at some of those possibilities. And then just thought, you know, I think I can do this. I, I think I can. I think I can do it. I don't know how many people will uh, be exposed to the book, read the book, whatever. But I know I can get it out there uh, because it's just been made. That's that's. It's very doable now through you know Amazon has tools and things like that. Um, Kindle Direct Publishing. Uh, I took some research and some some you know kind of trial and error and, and figuring some things out, but. Um, I'm glad that I did it that way. It did help that I had through my blog and also through social media, I developed kind of a network and a platform. So then when the book was launched, you know, you have, you have some, you can say, Hey, uh, you know, uh, folks in my network, please help share the word. I, I've written this book and I'd be honored if you check it out. And so, um, so yeah, that, that was all really helpful. And I've just been really thrilled with how it's done. You know, just the response has been great. And it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me. And I mean, my main focus is still here in my doing my high school principal job, uh, but I've gotten some really cool opportunities uh, just to speak and to travel and to do different things like that. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, you have a couple followers on Twitter. The last time I looked, maybe like a couple of 60,000 plus followers. So maybe, maybe a couple people heard about it, but uh, kudos to you, David. And uh, that is a big decision for people, but when you've built up, enough equity, you know, you can do it. So uh, speaking of uh, speaking, that's where I first saw you at the National Principals Conference back in 2019. Uh, and you killed it. You were awesome. Uh, you gave a great uh, speech there. There was like almost 4000 people in the room. Uh, you know, what what experience was that like for you? Was that your biggest stage? Uh, yeah, tell me about sure. that experience. Yeah, yeah, by far my biggest opportunity. And you know, it's in front of your colleagues, you know, fellow principals. And anytime you're getting to talk to, it's just, it's different because no one really understands the experience of a high school or any principal other than other principals. You know, it's just a different kind of a deal. So it's an honor. It was great thrill. Uh, NASSP has been um, just a really source of encouragement and networking and, and just opportunities uh, for me. And so I, I got to be honest, like I was terrified, like uh, that was just such a big <laughs> stage and all the professional, everything. Uh, it was a little different than, you know, I'd done just smaller things. I'd done a few school districts uh, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was really a lot of fun. And um, and and yeah, thank you for for that, though. And I, and I got to say, too, I got to see you at the Missouri State Principals Conference. And you crushed it. I mean, it was <laughs> awesome. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very um, helpful message, you know, to re to remind me, especially I think the uh, the storytelling piece and just the importance of stories 
Um, stories are where it's at. I really believe that as far as um, being able to uh, move us forward. You know, we need that. Um, ideas are good, but man, when we can show that with a story, it just makes it 10 times more powerful. Yeah. And I, and I loved it. I never saw someone come out with the sneakers like that. You had the Converse and, and you just, you might've been nervous, but you looked you look great. You did great. And you nailed it. And uh, I didn't smile, though. And I'm a smiler. <laughs> that was what was different because I look back at the photos and stuff and it's like I was just so like, you know, a little bit like this. But, uh, but I think the passion was there. You know, anytime I get a chance to start talking about this stuff, I get excited. And so that, I think, was there. Uh, and it's it, it just a neat experience, neat opportunity. So. Yeah. And I would encourage principals that are watching. If you're watching live, jump in this show, ask a question or comment. But if you're, you know, you're, you're not on the big stage yet like David, but maybe, you know, you do have a message. I would encourage principals to create a workshop, create uh, something that you could present to others. Right. And that's how it starts. Uh, and then, uh, you know, maybe you could get there. David, you did a great job. Um, so thanks, buddy. Dave, we spoke about your fitness earlier and, and how important it is. And again, you spoke well on the stage, but you also looked the part, right? You're fit, you're tall, you stand up straight. Um, all of that adds to the presentation. What are some of your secrets? What are some of your uh, uh, morning routines? Um, you have four children, you're successfully married, you're a successful high school principal. How do, how do you balance it all in? And what are some of your secrets for making that, you know, scheduling that fitness time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, I definitely make time for that. I usually, I, I'm not really, I get up, typically try to get up early and get things uh, going before the school day, kind of get my mind right uh, before the day. Uh, I, I use the Tom Brady routine. And the first thing I do in the morning is I drink a huge glass of water, uh, which is just a small thing. Uh, but I, you know, I try to read in the morning. I try to, um, um, put something into my mind and my heart that's ins inspirational, that's encouraging, that is positive, uh, and really kind of just uh, think about that. Uh, I want to be uh, really getting myself ready uh, and right before I try to come and uh, meet with, uh, you know, students and teachers and things like that. But normally my, my fitness routines, actually, I try to catch some time in the afternoon, like tonight, um, I, I have ball games. Too, but we're district championship soccer tonight. So Whoa, there you go. Um, but a lot of times in between school and like supervision, I'll try to squeeze in a workout uh, and that kind of thing. And then the weekends I do that also. So I uh, get that time in there and, and then make time for family too. My wife and I try to go out to dinner a couple times a week and uh, just, we didn't always do that. And that was a mistake on my part, but we've really tried to just make that like a consistent thing that we do where we're getting to really connect. And, and that's been awesome uh, as well. Uh, this this uh, being an administrator, being a principal, being an educator, any any role really, uh, the time commitments and what we have to pour into it can, it's really demanding. And it's so important to like take care of those. You know, you've got to get very, be very intentional, I think, about what your routines are and how you use your time and just doing those things that are helpful to keep you uh, charged up. Great reminders and so true, uh, David, but your family, you think about what you give to your school, right? And, and you gotta make sure you're giving the same, if not more to, to your family. And sometimes that gets out of bounds. So great points there. 
Yeah, it can get out of balance in a hurry because the time commitment is so demanding. And any uh, families do make some sacrifices with that. And there's no question about it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it also we can be we can make sure that we're not allowing that to be a total sacrifice. You know, like we still got to take care of our families and make them the priority, uh, you know, and, and that kind of thing. Cool. David, we're going to get to rapid fire here. I know you got supervision, and I may or may not have shorts on under my dress shirt here to go exercise myself. But awesome. uh, before we do that, was there something that you wanted to share? Was there something I didn't ask you that you you know wanted to get out there for all the educators uh, watching? You know, I, I think the the thing right now is that. Uh, uh, and I've always said this, but no matter what you're going through, you know, with your with your education, there's always the it's always a learning opportunity. And if we can view it that way, I think that helps to keep us encouraged, like rather than feeling like, oh, it's just these burdens or these difficulties. But these are also opportunities to learn and grow. I'm trying to remind myself of that so that I don't, you know, just have a self-pity party because it's really easy to do uh, <laughs> on some of the things that we've experienced this year and what we've seen and, you know, just wondering what the next thing that's going to happen. But I hope everybody knows that uh, we're not in this alone and, and just uh, uh, we, we're getting stronger every day. Well said, David Guerin. Uh, let's get to rapid fire. David, these are quick answers. First thing that comes to your head, are you ready? Ready. Last book you read? Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. Last movie you saw? Last movie. What was that? Her um, Herbie Halloween or something. It was some crazy Adam Sandler movie that was just awful. <laughs> Watched it with the kids. There you go. <laughs> you got to love some Adam Sandler. Uh, favorite place to travel? Uh, mountains for me, beach for the wife. So we have to compromise. Yeah. We, we, mountains are a little closer. We're in Missouri there, no? Yeah, a little closer. Yeah, Colorado's. Yeah, not too bad. But The Ozarks was. Oh, the uh, Ozark Mountains. That's true. We don't really beautiful. like campos, but yeah. <laughs> I had a beautiful time. It was great. Um, I know I know you're a big fan of education, leadership, and beyond, but what's a podcast that you listen to that's inspiring? Um, I'm John Norlin with Character Strong. They've got some good stuff, so I check them out quite a bit. Uh, John and I interact uh, on a fairly regular basis, and uh, they're doing a lot of good work just with uh, character and leadership development in schools, and so I enjoy uh, connecting with him. You talked about some of your morning routines and some of those things that that's prepare you for your day. What is something that gets under your skin? What's a pet peeve of yours? Mm. Pet peeve. Being late. I don't like, and it's really more me than others. Like I hate being late. I like to be on time, and it bothers me when I'm late. So I don't know. That's just the first thing that popped. It's leadership. Mind. That's leadership. You're 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 honoring someone else's time. Absolutely. Uh, on at eight a.m. on Saturday morning, I feel chill. I feel good. Are you an, are you an early riser on Saturdays? Are you oh, up yeah, at five? I'm up early. Yeah. I'm up early. I am I'm thinking about college football uh, that early in the morning probably thinking about maybe some other things I need to do that are on my list around the house or maybe even for school. 
but I know that it's not going to be pressing. Like I'm going to have the whole weekend to get it done. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I know sports are a big part of your life. Uh, tell me about the arm wrestle between the Mizzou Tigers and uh, the, the Kentucky Wildcats there. What's, how do you balance that? Yeah, you know, I, get, I have a degree from Mizzou. That's where I did my doctorate. So I sort of cheer for Mizzou. You know, they're not – or, or uh, uh, you know, I, I sort of cheer for Mizzou, but I'm definitely big blue Kentucky all the way because that's where I grew up. That's home. Lifelong fan, hey, the team of your childhood, you never abandoned. You know what I mean? So, and I've become a much bigger Kentucky football fan because they're actually good. So that's exciting too. And last year in college basketball was like awful, but hopefully we're going to be better again this year. So Mizzou's just like, I kind of follow them, uh, but yeah. Kentucky's where it's at. Well, my, my friend Owen Saylor, who was on a couple of weeks ago, is a huge fan, so he'd be happy to hear that. Um, why is the football team so bad and the basketball team so good at Kentucky? Well, that's not true this year. That's <laughs> not true, although they had a tough loss this past weekend. They did. They did. They did. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of changed. That's inter- That's a, a great example of a culture changing, though. Because for many, many, many years, like Kentucky had been like a doormat and they, uh, Mark Stoops, they've given him time and he's really changed the culture. And so they've been competitive in the toughest conference in America. Oh, yeah. Uh, And he's really changed the culture where people believe and the team, they're just not the same vibe around Kentucky football uh, that that there was. And they've had, they had a top 10 finish a couple of years ago. And this year they're at least top 25. So. Hopefully they'll get a decent uh, bowl game. Kalapari, hero or villain? Well, of course he's a hero. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would think he's a villain. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple people out there that think that. I've heard that. <laughs> These people clearly do not do not know the man's heart the way that I do. <laughs> <laughs> Something about David Guerin that people don't know about. <laughs> oh, what did they not know about? Hmm. Wow. Well, a lot. Of, I guess something I'm known for around here is dad jokes. Like I tell dad, I tell a joke every day to start the school day uh, over the announcements. And so my family, they get sick of it because I tell them at every meal practically. <laughs> I'm constantly asking people if they've heard any good jokes lately. Okay. I got to have material. Yeah. You know? And I've had kids, it's been the best way to connect with, because it's kind of hard sometimes as high school principal, but they will they will bring me jokes, they'll email me jokes. Yes. Hey, we were just talking, somebody shared this joke, I thought about you, you might want to tell it in the morning. So it's been, I've even had a kid who he, for his entire high school career, every day, he would find me and tell yes. me what my joke was. Oh, excuse me, sorry. He would tell you the joke? No, he would rate the joke on a scale of oh, one to ten. Okay. Uh, and I think I rarely got more than like a six. So he kind of enjoyed like being my heckler, you know, <laughs> like oh that was that was bad today. A three, you know, three out of ten. And, uh, I'll try to do Peter. I'll try to do better tomorrow, buddy. I'm gonna, you know, like I think the best I ever did was maybe six or seven. So you know, stuff like that's fun. The struggle is real, David. Uh, what's a long-term goal for you? You got a lot in the hopper right now. Three to five years. What are you looking at? 
You know, I just want to be doing something that is supporting educators um, and education. I'm not sure what that looks like yet. I'm really kind of um, getting at a, a point where uh, probably is going to be a little bit of a crossroads. Like, uh, am I going to, what am I going to be doing? So I, I, I'm really kind of just uh, looking for what is that next opportunity, uh, that next chapter, uh, you know, that you kind of start to feel like a season of transition. Uh, sometimes coming on. I don't know if that's now or in five or 10 years, but uh, I definitely am thinking that way, trying to be future driven, right? Uh, thinking about it. Uh, but I think it's sometimes it's always been hard for me to like plan. This is exactly what I want to be doing. You know, I yeah. just kind of watch for opportunities and then look to and try to prepare myself so that if the door of opportunity opens, I'm ready to step through it. Good for you. And you've earned that and you've done that and you've done a good job at your school. You've done a good job on the national scene and and your writing. And, you, and, you, and that's an example of adaptability. That's an example of keeping your leadership moving forward. So uh, if you're watching live, if you're watching this on record, you're listening on uh, uh, the podcast uh, avenues there, check out Future Driven by David Guerin. David, what, you have a quote that you like? Do you want to end us with a quote? Or if, if it's a joke, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll start a new tradition here about jokes, you know, but you have something you want to end us with? You know, a quote, a quote or a joke. Um, I'll go with a joke. Okay. okay. I'll go with a joke. Keep it light here. Um, what do you give a cannibal when he shows up late for dinner? The cold shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I, I wrote that down. I might add that to my little corny uh, uh, announcement routine. I could go on for days with the joke. So, anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There we go. David, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more? Uh, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah. Uh, you know, Twitter at uh, David Guerin. You can uh, connect there. That's uh, probably the social media where I'm most active as far as that goes, the blog, davidgarren.com. Uh, you know, feel free to uh, uh, connect. Uh, just uh, give me a shout if there's anything I can do to help, add value, um, provide any kind of uh, uh, support. That's what I like to do. Cool. This was David Garen, everyone. Uh, David, I appreciate you coming on the show like this, and I wish you nothing but the best. Uh, with the book and your journey and the work you're doing uh, in Missouri. Man, I really appreciate it. It's been good to reconnect again. Uh, again, great to see you in Missouri at the Lake of the Ozarks. Got a little taste of that. And uh, uh, yeah, keep rocking, man. You're doing great things. Keep appreciate rolling. It. We are going to sign off uh, here on Education, Leadership and Beyond. This was show number 183. If I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter and keep rolling. Keep doing your best. David, uh, we're going to sign off. Stick around for a second. OK, you bet. here we go. Let's see if I can get this music to work here. Let's see, we'll get this rolling.